0: It is an interesting experience to have watched the changes that have come in our in our American culture. if you're not an American citizen, uh, forgive me for talking a little bit focused away from your context, but we have experienced a lot of change, and you hear older people say, I, I don't know, I don't, I, I, we, we never thought this would happen, and, and we go through all of this stuff, and uh, I understand those feelings because I have some of them from time to time. Uh, one of the things that has been uh, really, really uh, important in the life of this nation is the change in recent times of the, of the nation's foreign policy toward Israel, and the immovable rock is spoken of in the scripture, and God says, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. Anyone who messes with it, that's my paraphrase, anyone who tries to move it will injure themselves. And we have, we have changed the way we uh, respond to Israel. It the, the leader in pro-Israel uh, relationship is from right here in our community, just a little bit north and west from here is the former home of Harry Truman, President of the United States, who within hours of Israel declaring their independence, acknowledged them as a sovereign state. The U.S. was the first to do that. That was in 1948. And uh, the fund has that's when the fund really began. It had been going on for a while, but, but it's, it's, a, it's an area of interest that is so fraught with conflict and charges and countercharges. And then then armed warfare that Eunice and I were or I, I think I was going to get to be given a trip to Israel by myself. Without her, um, 1973, and another war broke out. So by the, the next spring in 74, she and I had gotten our act together, and we, we went to Israel for the first of nine times. The picture of an immovable rock is exactly who we are and what we're talking about. God has set things Solidly in place, and we now get to deal with finding out what he's doing and saying, and then doing something we hope that's in line with him. Today, I want to ask you this question. Are you pro-life? Are you pro-life? And if that scripture, I mean, if that question is offensive to you, go ahead and forgive me. You know, you have to anyway. The pro-choice business in this country has has continued to lose ground over recent times. Um, there was a poll that was started and um, has been conducted annually since 1996. Um, in 1996, 56 percent. Of Americans said they were pro-choice. That number has fallen um, to 41% and it was 47% just a year ago. So we're at an all-time low for those who just want no holds barred abortion. Um, And in the meantime, half of us in America, call ourselves pro-life. That's up from forty-five percent just last year. Only one third of us called ourselves pro-life in 1996. So, uh, the president of Americans United for Life said, "A growing number of Americans are uneasy with the unfettered, underregulated, and unsavory abortion industry as it exists today." And uh, Darla Noth who is the head of the Assemblies of God National Women's Department, said, We are encouraged by the progress reported in the number of Americans realizing that abortion practices are so life-debasing. As women begin ministering to each other in the local church, we hope to see more women and the unborn protected from the threat of abortion as well. Uh, There continues to be the fact of uh, abortion stuff in the news because efforts have been made in in the congressional arm of government to defund Planned Parenthood and investigate their financial practices and so forth a lot of stuff going on there and so I just wanted to point that out to you. I want to ask you again are you pro-life and i you don't have to respond nor Are we going to have you um, um, send a text message to so that we can get an immediate response from you? I think that's really cool when we do that. But I didn't set that up because here's what I want to do. I want to say, first of all, God said, let us make man in our image, our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So... God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. By the way, did you ever wonder in evolution how we got male and female? Think about that. Uh, However, if God created us, it's very simple. He created male and female. And when he did that, it was in his own image. And he said to mankind... Genesis 1 28, be fruitful and increase in number. And then, after sin just really messed up the earth and God cleansed it, he washed it, if you will, with water. When Noah and his sons emerged from the ark, and it's told about in Genesis the ninth chapter, the first verse, he told Noah, be fruitful and increase in number. So there is it is important to be replicating the image of God in godly offspring. One of the the questions that often arises in the, the question about abortion is is there life at conception? Life at conception, or is it after the first third, second third, or at birth? When, when is this this uh, being or whatever's growing in mommy's tummy, when is it alive? I've gotten two or three uh, emails that have a, a little drawing of, of a one cell as it might appear in a in a, the stone, and uh, as a remains, and we went to Mars. And if, if we had found any kind of a mark that looked a little bit like life, that would have been life. And that is juxtaposed to the embryo that's brand new, just fertilized egg is that life this is life this is life even if it's dead and if it's a fossil in a rock it's life but we're not so sure about this did you follow that okay if you didn't ask me after church because it's kind of an interesting little slap up beside the head Psalm 139 says You might want to look up Psalm 139, start with verse 13, let it speak to you. Isaiah 44, 2 says, this is what the Lord says, he who made you, who formed you in the womb and who will help you. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, the one who made you in the womb. Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. One of my favorite passages from the human point of view in the birth of Jesus' story is when Mary, who has just been made pregnant by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit spontaneously created in her uterus this, uh, which would make the ovum fertile, and not only fertile, but uh, fertilized, and she leaves town and goes to where Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, is, Zachariah's wife. Luke one forty one says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is, this is an unborn child. And when he heard Mary's voice through the wall of his, of his mother's tummy, he thumped the tar out of her. He tried to jump out. I've, I've often thought <laughs> even, she needed to be filled with the Spirit because that had to hurt, you know. This guy was unborn and recognized that the mother of our Savior was in the room. And those, those of you who have carried children have probably been thumped almost like that, and I. Every time I read this, I just kind of chuckle because I mean, she had to flinch while she was being filled with the Holy Spirit there, and it's just a glorious thing because you see, this is a life, and um, one of our families uh, recently found out that they are pregnant, and uh, this past week they went to the doctor and got to hear the heartbeat. And this is just weeks into this pregnancy, and it's, a, it's such an a cool deal. Life begins at conception. The life that we're talking about is, is the image of God that he created to be within us and to be expressed through us. Abortion flies in the face of God's command to increase and, and fill the earth, and... It destroys what has been made in his image. Psalm 106, 37 and 38 says, They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters. The land was desecrated by their blood. I think that what we are doing today in the U.S. in the abortion area is equivalent to what the people... We're going through the children of Israel when Moses was born. There was a huge infanticide taking place. And the very fact that Moses was a little bit after the fact, three months after the fact, put in a, a little boat thing and put in the river was actually obeying the king's command, which was to take the newborns and just toss them into the creek. So, they, they were fulfilling the command, sort of, at that time. It was an awful thing. And God's people opposed Pharaoh's decree. And Jesus had to be protected as a newborn from Herod. Now, I don't know how many, I'm assuming many thousands of little boys died in Moses' era. We don't know that number. The demographics and population studies make an educated guess at the time that Jesus was born and escaped to Egypt that there were probably 20 little boys of that age that were in that little village of Bethlehem. You can imagine in a town that size, which is very small, what, what the death of 20 little boys would do to the whole atmosphere. And it was a tense, tight thing. Uh, I don't want to mess with your image of Christmas, but Joseph and Mary didn't have a donkey. Well-to-do people had donkeys. They just walked. Jesus walked. You know, he had to borrow a donkey to fulfill the Scripture to come in on, uh, into the city on Palm Sunday. And so when Jesus was born, he was probably just a few weeks old and the Lord appeared to to Joseph in a dream and said, take the mother and the child and get out of here to Egypt. What they did was not begin to make plans and they probably had some money now because the Magi had arrived, and, and I'm, I think that's why they, they, they needed to acknowledge that Jesus but was, was the king of the universe. But they also, the parents needed the money to get out of the country. And that's why I think they showed up partly. But they didn't have a donkey. Joseph woke up Mary. They wrapped up their stuff. They put it in bundles on their shoulder, and they walked out in the dark. And got as far away from the little town of Bethlehem as they could before the sun came up. It was just just barely squeaking by now that's the, that's the way it probably really happened, and uh, i I'm, I'm comfortable with those details if that If that messes with your image of Mary riding on a donkey and, and her husband leading actually, she would have been leading the donkey and the husband would have been riding it in that culture so. Aren't you glad, girls, that you didn't live? Anyway, that's the picture. And this awful thing of killing these baby boys came back around, and finally, the life of Herod imploded, and he just, he just died from within. He, he, was, he was an awful person, and he, he just kind of went away. Now... I want us to understand one thing very, very carefully, very clearly. We have, we have talked about abortion. We have prayed. We have voted. If you don't vote pro-life, don't tell me. Lie to me about it, okay? I don't need something else to forgive you about No. Seriously, if you don't vote pro-life... What do you vote? Your job? That's maybe more important than babies. I don't know. Well, if you don't have one, it's pretty important. That's true. Uh, we need to talk, and I'll try to be more gentle in person than I come across up here. But here's the deal. We've talked about this. We've wanted, we've wanted to get rid of abortion. Church, I think we need to exercise our faith and exercise our humility, and our fasting, and our getting down under the Lord, under the, you know, we we have the prayer closet, get under the carpet of the prayer closet. We need to get down with God, and not talk about abortion. We need to stop it. Now, when preachers preach like this, there's always that fear that somebody who is who is mentally unbalanced will take that and will go kill an abortion provider. Well, that will stop abortion. That definitely will just take care of it. Right? Please forgive my sarcasm, folks. We don't have any power outside of the prayer closet. Do not slap a picket on an abortion clinic. They'll take you to jail. I've got friends who have spent time in jail. Over that very issue and I I have thought so many times what if they had called prayer meetings every time they wanted to go down to uh, Planned Parenthood or wherever they wanted to hang out and and do their praying out public why didn't we pray here why didn't we stay undercover and I think we could have have beaten this thing before now however it looks to me like the church is mature enough in the United States to understand that it is not by might and it's not by power but it's by my spirit and we have the power to change this. And I ask you, first of all, just vote pro-life. Nobody, unless you have really weird uh, things <laughs> in what you think is works in, in civic arenas, uh, you need, I need to argue with you about that too. Uh, nobody is running on your platform. You know, I'm a, I'm a small government, free market man, And I would be considered extremely right-wing because I think the government ought to be smaller than we've had in a long time. And so now you know how radical I really am on that. Only that doesn't make any difference. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. What matters is, are we living right? Are we right with God? Are we right with man? And I'm calling you on this area, on this thing. Don't, Don't slap a picket that's not scriptural Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. it is not out of the word of God that we said we will demonstrate that that's what the world does that's why we were praying against Friday in Amman Jordan the forces of darkness don't do their stuff our stuff their way never ever I, I I'm the guy that never could get on board with the moral majority and some of you are old enough to know what that meant and it always was scary to me because i know what happens to us when we get power the same thing that happens to everyone power corrupts the only power that is safe is the power in the kingdom of god because we get there by digging a hole and going down lower than we've ever been in humility Do you understand me? We must not grasp power. Doesn't it sound good? We can change it. We can stop abortion. Man, I love the way that sounds. Yeah, but you don't want to do it the way you have to do it. First of all, you have to vote right. That's not first of all. One of the things is you have to vote right. First of all, the first thing is you have to meet God and die to self we sang about it this morning die to myself live to the spirit church this is the era this is the hour when we can change things because we now we've tried all this other stuff we and i and i honor my catholic friends who wanted to stop abortion and they got funky laws all over the country now that you can't even look harshly toward an abortion clinic without getting carried away almost. But we had no business being there in the first place. That's not the problem. The problem is selfishness. It's the human heart. And the only way that can be changed is through fasting and prayer and humility. You know that the sixth chapter of Ephesians talks about the armor of God. The armor of God, boy, we like that. Bless God, give me that sword. I'll go hurt somebody. <laughs> and you see what happened to Peter, who, who hurt somebody, when Jesus was being arrested. He got a rebuke. You live by that thing, you'll die by that thing. Put it away. Wow. Keep your pistol. In it's holster, honey. That's not the way we change laws. In this country, we change them. In the ballot box, it it will show up in the ballot box. But the ballot box will be changed in the prayer closet. Now, there's another thing I've got to say because a number of you have have either had an abortion, have fathered a, a, a child that was aborted, or you've had family members who have had abortions, And I want you to know that there is nothing about that that is unpardonable. That is not the unpardonable sin. And if you have been through that awful, awful pain, please pay close attention. I have a very, very important message for you. God deals with with that sin if you're willing to call it a sin, that's all he forgives. If it's not a sin, I don't know what you're going to do. But if that was a sin, good news. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all, all, all sin. All sin. And then this is one of those sins that, that brings many times, brings uh, an aftertaste in the life That is just awful. There is healing. For the consequences. Of sin. God doesn't just forgive you. And say well you can come in. But you're going to get to suffer. You did that suffer. (laughs) No no no. He's the one. That brought us into that covenant. That we celebrated a few minutes ago. He's the one that says. When you. Come to me. If you'll bring your load and the stuff that you're overworked with, I'll give you rest. You can carry my load because it's light, and you can get in the yoke with me, and when you can't pull it, I'll see that it goes. That's our Savior. And whatever your history, whatever your background, accept forgiveness. We have in this congregation... Uh, a couple, their name is Byers, uh, Mindy and Craig. They are part of a ministry that ministers healing to people who have, who have been injured by abortion. And it's, this congregation supports it. It's one of the most wonderful things to see people with that cloud gone. Gone. And if you are, if you if you haven't let the Lord forgive you for some abortion-related thing, the abortion itself, or some relationship you had to it, let the Lord forgive you. Accept that. Rejoice in it. Praise Him for the forgiveness. But if the pain doesn't go away all the way, find Mindy. And just say, Mindy, I've, I've got a story to tell you. When have you got a minute? And you get on a path and she can guide you through the healing so that we are free. You know that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It is not the will of God that any sin that you ever committed bind you for the rest of your life. The consequences, you won't have, if, if, if it was abortion, you won't have this child, the, the child's already in heaven. By the way, people who go to heaven and then come back and write books, talk about these, these little spirits in heaven. There's a lot of them. And they are children who have been aborted and, and many of you have had miscarriages It just rips your heart out. You lose the child, but God doesn't lose the child. And he has, that child has never been cared for better. I know you're good as a parent, not as good as where that child is. And so there's some comfort there. But if you had an abortion, you, you live with the fact that you do not have this child. And, and I, you know, the Lord's not going to change that, but he's going to heal it. He's going to make it so that that's not what you think about every hour on the hour, every day of your life. He heals and he brings comfort. He is so good. And the awful rebellion and fear and unbelief that you were in when you experienced that, he just puts his arm around you and says, come on and let's just rest a while. And he will heal you. And you'll be okay. It is unbelievable how glorious this promise is. And so I don't want you to get under. If, if you've had an abortion and haven't called it a sin. I hope you feel terrible. Till you deal with it in the presence of God. The way he deals with sin. And then you go toward healing. May God bless you. And that is, is what we're crying for. Now. Back to the armor of God, sixth chapter of Ephesians: helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, belt of truth holds the whole thing together, and we have a shield of faith. And this is all sort of defensive. And then those of us who are right hand have in this hand sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so, boy, that, you know, that appeals to us who, are, who think we're tough and we're sort of macho and, you know, watch what you say to me, I'll hurt you. When that wraps up that whole deal in, in Ephesians 6, it says, it says, and pray on all occasions, pray for everybody. And uh, then it says, pray for me, Paul's writing. Five times, five times he says, pray in two verses. That's what we do, folks. That's the main operation of the whole armor of God. Now, there are times when we have to take a stand. There are times in prayer and so forth. You see, we, I, I keep, we have these freedoms where we can still sort of have uh, First Amendment rights rights. Say what we want to say. So we, when I, I I worry that when I say we take a stand, that that means we're going to shoot our mouth off in public somewhere. No, no, no. In the kingdom of God, take our stand means we go into prayer and we say, "I'm not getting up from here until something changes." That's taking a stand, flat on your belly. One of my favorite teachers talked about nailing your belly button to the floor. That's taking the stand. That's where Satan says, oh, my goodness, let's see if we can get him up from there. See, That's the real deal. And it is to that that I call you young people. You can play games with your head. Play games with each other as far as who you are and what you are. If you want to be the real deal in the kingdom of God, learn to nail your belly button to the floor. And of course, the posture is irrelevant. But the attitude, I will stay here until the victory comes. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. If you're not walking with the Lord today... This God that forgives the sin of abortion forgives every sin you've ever committed. He took all of those sins and gathered them up. And like Jesus did the righteous thing of keeping the law after he had done that, here comes the Father the night before he died. And he had gathered all the sins that had ever been committed and ever would be committed, including mine, including yours. And he put them in Jesus, and Jesus drank that cup. It nearly killed him. He sweat blood, so much pressure that the, the capillaries actually ruptured in his sweat glands and he sweat blood. And the scripture says that angels came and served him. They gave him enough strength so he could get through the night because he wasn't supposed to die until three the next afternoon. And he had at least 15 to 18 hours yet to go. He did that so you can be totally free from every sin that you've ever committed or ever will commit. Abortion. I think there are worse sins than abortion. And it doesn't matter what I think about the size of sins, but it's totally irrelevant because it's all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And if you have sinned, then you qualify. May we pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your life, and I ask you right now to come upon us in a way that will help us to understand that we have a job to do, and it's not glamorous, and it's not going to get headlines for us, and we're not going to be able to publish a magazine and let everybody know how holy we are. But we're going to change things in eternity, and we're going to save human life and i believe specifically in the, in the arena of abortion that if we can take our stand in the whole armor of god in the darkness of the prayer closet we will change our world and i believe that oh god i ask you to give us a spirit of faith to believe that and we come to you not because we are good or we're holy not because we are a part of a nation that is good or holy because we're not but we come because you have said come and so here we are and I thank you for saving us I thank you for doing this in us Lord for those who are not walking with you draw them into you this hour through Jesus Christ I pray would you please remain with your heads bowed it may be related to abortion may not be related to abortion but your life has just been lived for you And you need to get right with God Just raise your hand You don't need to say anything at this point This is not a, A time to talk This is a time to meet God And he is looking at your heart And he loves you He cares about what's going on with you Oh praise God It is so great church To belong to one Who has arranged it so that every sin every sin can be dealt with in the grace and the love and the glorious forgiveness of God almighty i want us to do some work this morning before we leave would would you build a little prayer closet around you and that may mean you have to pray silently or just whisper the Lord knows your heart. He knows what you're believing. If you believe that God will use you to turn back the death and destruction that's related to abortion, and all of the, and and, and I'm talking about, of course, the, the little lives that are lost through abortion, and then all of the awful fallout in the the mother of the child and the father so many times they know about it. And the, the grandparents of the child or whoever is connected. If, if you believe God heals and changes things and will push back death, push back the spirit of death. If you believe that, I want you to ask God to help you to become one whose head is down and whose heart is up toward the Lord. And every day we make this a part of who we are and what we do as a people. And we can change our world. I was so encouraged with the stories out of Amman and that war's not over there. We, we're gonna have to keep fighting, but we believed God and God answered. People were praying around the world and people across America are beginning to pray about this as they never have. We finally, I hope, learned that you don't go and pray out in public. And it's okay to pray in public. But that's not where our power is. We, our power is in humble prayer. Pray in public, pray in private. Pray, mostly. And if that's who you are and you're a part of that deal, I want you to ask the Lord right now where you sit. I'm not going to ask you to come forward make a consecration to God God I give you myself please put it on my mind put it on my heart so that I can't I can't forget it so that I have to get up